Good morning. Welcome to the Unbox Your Gift podcast. I'm your host, Rita Joyen. A huge, big congratulations to you. We are now on number, episode number 66. This is very exciting. And a big thank you to Danielle who has written her question in and asked a specific question that she wants help with. Now, Danielle, in her question, says she's entering her final year of high school. And so this episode is for you, whether you're entering the final year of high school, whether you're at Crossroads and you're in corporate, whether you're your mum coming out of the, out of, uh, the being a home mum, stay-at-home mum, and coming into the workforce, whether you are looking to you really just assess whether 2019 you want to make a career change or just a side move, a different position in the same industry that you're in, and you're not sure. Maybe you're the type of person that has a lot of passions. Maybe you have a lot of interests, but you just don't know how to marry them up or which one to pick. If any of that speaks to you, this episode is specifically for you. I'm going to answer Danielle's question, but it equally applies to wherever you are in your situation based on if you're a stay-at-home mum, changing careers, changing jobs sideways, looking to enter the workforce, reassessing where you want to be in 2019. So Danielle's question reads as, like many of my, like many, I'm a girl entering my final year of high school. Like many of my peers, I am utterly lost and have no clue of what I want to do with my life as of now. I'm ranked second in my class and as cocky as this may sound, maybe, I don't want my intelligence to go to waste. I have a couple of things I enjoy doing, such as working with children, learning sign language, doing makeup, directing videos, um, and taking pictures of birds. Absolutely none of these things relate. But in my future, I would love to perhaps find my own unique way of linking these things together with the help of someone who perhaps knows or can help me find my way as someone who constantly is worried about her future and wanting to leave an impact on at least someone. I feel horrible not knowing what the heck I'm going to do. Maybe this could be a good start. Thank you in advance. Danielle, thank you for your question because... Like you, many people are struggling with the same thing. So whether you are a student, this is really going to be of benefit to you. When I was in year 10, let me give you the answer by explaining, giving you a bit of background. When I was in year 10, um, in, in Sydney, Australia, in year 10, we were given one week's compulsory work experience. It wasn't come, I mean, if you didn't want to do it, you had to have a really good reason, but I wanted to do it. So you could go out into the world, find somewhere that you wanted to work, the profession that you wanted to enter, and do a week's work experience with them. So I went to a dentist and I thought maybe I would want to be a dentist when I finished school. So I went to Westmead School for Dentistry and I applied to work with them for a week and I did. And it was fantastic. You know, they took me around. They showed me how dentures are made. They showed me how it happens with x-rays. They showed me what a real dentist does. They gave me the real nitty gritty. I couldn't have asked for a better work experience with that school. They showed me the reasons why teeth, you know, it just, I was, it opened my eyes. It really was fantastic. As much as it was so good, I remember when my career advisor, uh, Mrs., can't remember her name, lovely lady, came to Westmead to the suburb that I was working in and had a meeting with me on the Friday. And she said to me, so how did you find it? I said, oh, it was fantastic. It was so good. I enjoyed it so much. I said, great. So do you think you might want to do this as a career in the future? I said, no way. She goes, well, that's a bit of a, that's a bit of a irony. You enjoyed your time here. You did a, I said, I enjoyed my time. The people are fantastic. I learned a lot. I learned how dentures are made. I learned how x-rays are made. I learned what a dentist does. I actually was able to be an assistant to a dentist and create the stuff that he needs. Like I was able to do that. 
the people are so sweet and nice here, but I don't want to do this as a career. Because what Mrs. Batch, not Mrs. Batch, and I forget her name, I can't remember her name. But what I, I didn't tell her was I actually interviewed several dentists. And I sat down with them and I said, and they were all students because this is with school dentistry. So the government had this facility or has this facility in Westmead where people who are about to graduate or have graduated or been for a couple of years, they actually go and practice in this school. Um, it's, a, it's not a school school. It's like a, they're dentists, right? But this is before they might want to go start their own practice, that they might want to go overseas. And do you know what I mean? Like it's just allowing those graduates to enter in the workforce. And each one of them that I interviewed, that I worked with during the week, was so downhearted about being a dentist. There was no, oh, I love being a dentist. None of them said that to me. One of them even said to me, I think I'm going to choose another career because being a dentist is hurting my neck. And I said to this dentist, I said to her, you studied for seven years to be a dentist. You've practiced for probably about a year to two years. You've been in the workforce. And you're going to go study something else after all that time? She's like, yeah, because my neck hurts. I'm like, okay, I think there's more to it than your neck hurting. But because, you know, because you're looking down at people's mouths and it's, it's, it's putting a strain on her neck. I get that. Then I spoke to another dentist and like, yeah, it's a good job. It's good. It's a good job. I never thought of being a dentist as a job because when you come from a you know, Asian background, being a dentist is like, oh, that's like the ultimate, like being a doctor or a lawyer. It's like the, or an engineer. It's like the ultimate. I never considered it as a job. It was more like this prestigious title that they have. Never thought of it as a job. And we call it a job. I went, oh, well, a job is like, you know, like, like, you know, it's a job, you know. I have a job. I work in retail part-time while I'm on the weekends, while I'm, you know, go to school on the weekdays part-time, I'm in retail working. I'm like, that's a job. You're calling being a dentist a job? And it was just revolutionary for me because I was in this cocoon of school and I went to a school that had, you know, they were pretty ambitious, competitive students, every single one of them because predominantly students from China and India and all of Asia. And so, you know, their mothers and their fathers really pushed them and they pushed themselves. And so I came from a school who worked extraordinarily hard and from a background and obviously all my friends had parents who had a huge expectations. I mean, thank God my parents didn't push me to do anything specific, but their parents did. And so I understood that from all of that, my association with all that in content or context was that being a dentist, being a lawyer, being a doctor, being an engineer was not a job. It was like slightly cut above the rest. And then my eyes just like widened when I realized that no, actually being a dentist is just being a dentist. And so I understood then that I'm seeing eyewitness. I don't want to be stuck in a cubicle looking down people's mouths. I found that for me very boring. I really enjoyed the company of the dentist. I enjoyed the company of the people who took me around and taught me the, the trade of being a dentist and what it requires. But I thought, I know it's not for me. I know I would be miserable. I would be, the, I'd be a really bad dentist. I could probably pass the exams if I worked really hard and put my mind to it, but I wouldn't be a happy dentist. And I said that to my career's advisor. She said, well, that's great. It's great that you know that. And I went, thank God. And I had such a wonderful experience that in year 11, I went to my uh, vice principal, Mr. Cooper, who was a lovely gentleman, but um, 
you know, I was going to make some trouble for him because I went up to him and I said, Mr. Cooper, I had a really great time in my year 10 work experience and I'd like to do one more work experience in year 11 because in year 12, it's like serious and you can't do anything other than study. So in year 11, I would just like one more week, please, to go out and have work experience. Danielle, I'm coming to your question. So just bear with this because this is adding to the flavor of the answer to your question. But I've got to give you this background so I can explain the foreground, right? You with me? Okay. So, um, Danielle, obviously, being the person who asked the question in the beginning. So, Mr. Cooper says, no, you're not going to have another work experience. And so, I rally up some of my friends. I'm like, come on, let's do another work experience. It'd be great. And they're like, oh, I can't be bothered finding another place to go work experience. And, you know, I don't want to. Blah, I can't be bothered. I said, no, but you can have a, have a week off work. Go somewhere and bludge. Just, just you know, don't do anything, but it's going to be really good for you because now you're going to know if you're, if you're tossing up between two professions of what to study when you finish high school, you don't. So, I'm selling it to them. So finally, I, I grab a bunch of my friends and we go to Mr. Cooper and he's like, no, the school is saying no. I am saying no, you can't do it. Long story short, we twisted his hand somehow. He gave us the year 11's optional work experience for that year. I don't know if it continued after us, but he gave everyone optional work experience and I took it up and I went to a law firm, a very small, tiny law firm in Parramatta, Sydney. And I went there and I just felt, ugh. you know, that feeling of, ugh. there were two lawyers that I did not see who owned this little law firm kind of thing. They were in a room, never saw them. Doors were closed. And I thought, that's the lawyer. He's in his room behind the desk, shuffling through paper. I don't know what he's doing, but he's not seeing the world. He's stuck behind a desk. He's between four walls and he's doing a job. It's still a job. It's not this prestigious title. It may have been the moment he graduated, but now my eyes as a student are opening because it's a job. It's not this thing that they put on the pedestal. There's no pedestal. It is a job. And so they put me with this law clerk to shadow him for the day. And the most work I did was seal um, envelopes. Like literally I stood there sealing envelopes. That was my first two hours in the work experience thing. I sealed four envelopes because that's all they had. Then they got me to go to this with this law clerk into the city to do deliver some kind of papers, some secret papers. I had to be hand delivered. And um, I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm thinking, sitting there on the bus, which was the best part of the day, I'm thinking, yeah, law's not for me. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be cooped up behind the desk, shuffling papers uh, between four walls and just like not seeing the world. Not seeing the world. I want to see the world. I definitely don't want to be sitting behind a desk. So as soon as we got to the city, we're on George Street in Sydney, Australia. George Street is one of the main streets in Sydney. It was really busy and I lost the law clerk on purpose. I lost him. And I knew my sister worked in the city at the time. She worked for State Street. And I'm looking on, and I knew it was on George Street, somewhere near George Street. And I'm looking into the sky for the sign that says State Street. And I run towards that and I've lost the guy. He's probably worried, probably ringing up the law firm saying, we lost the work, student, work experience student. What are we going to do? Meanwhile, I'm running to, to my sister so that I can tell her to call mum and dad because the school is going to find out. They're going to call mum and dad. I'm going to get in trouble by mum and dad. So I'm like running to my sister to tell them I'm not going to be a lawyer and I'm coming to you so that you can let mum and dad know that I'm safe and that I've chosen not to. Not that my mum and parents are ever pressuring me to be a lawyer. I was just doing the work experience because I initiated, I made the school give it to us. I forced them. I, I kind of sold it to them. So I get to State Street, I tell my sister Lisa, like, listen, I'm not going to be doing law and I only lasted half a day in that law firm, which means I don't know what I'm going to do for the rest of the week, but I know that I'm not going back there and I do not want to do law. Had I maybe 
it's crossed my mind that maybe if they, if they had taken me to like a court case and I would have seen what happens, maybe that would have changed my mind. God only knows. I don't know. But in that moment, in that time, when I had to make a decision about what I wanted to do when I was going to finish school, I knew law was not going to be something that I would be happy doing. So I, when I finally finished, university, uh, finally finished school, I decided that my only criteria for studying was I would pick something that would not require me to sit behind a desk. And I picked media communication. So my, my answer to you, Danielle, is your preference of wanting to do photography or maybe wanting to do sign language or makeup or being with children or any of that stuff, you won't know until you go and experience it. And not looking at pictures, experience it, not reading someone's blog, experiencing it, like on the ground, experiencing it. And that is the only way you're going to know. I can't tell you that. Not even your mum can tell you that. And that's the reason because I have twin, I have uh, friends who are twins. And one of them said to me once, you know, having a twin, I loved it because every time we had a birthday, I loved sharing it with my twin sister. You know, the love, there was more love. There was just like, just sharing it with someone This made me so happy. Then I asked my her twin sister, did you enjoy having a birthday party shared? She goes, I hated having a birthday party with my sister all the time because I never got my own time. I never got my own attention, never got my own. Everything had to be shared. The birth dates had to be shared. You know, where we were, everything was shared. I couldn't even have my own birthday for myself. It always had to be shared. Now, get this, two sisters, same experiences, same parents, same environment, same school, same everything, but the interpretation of those experiences were different. So can you imagine your passion? Which is why that the only way that you can assess whether or not your passion is going to really skyrocket or resonate with you or how you're going to marry them up is if you go and experience it. And it's not sounding cocky that, you know, you don't want to let your intelligence go to waste. Nobody wants that. But part of intelligence is also putting yourself in a position where you can fail. And what I find is those students who excel and you're second in your class or so you're excelling, one of the biggest barriers of entry towards anything new is what if I fail? And I don't want to fail because I've got a pretty good track record that I do well no matter what I do. And that's your biggest block. That's your biggest block to overcoming anything because you're scared of failing because you've done well at school. And, and I know that because students have said that to me, you know, they've had a really good run at school and they're like, well, I, and then I say to them, well, why don't you try it? Why don't you just go and have some, a week's experience, you know, go and approach, oh, I don't really want to do that because, well, why don't you just try some study something different? Because I don't want to, you know, they don't tell me that. I say, well, you're scared of failing that you weren't going to do one. They're like, yeah. So they won't tell me they're thinking it, but they'll, they, if I say it, they will then confirm it, which shows me that you're just really scared of failing. So, there's nothing wrong with that. Adults are scared of failing, but it's your best friend. It's your really, once you let loose that control that failing has on you, you'll be able to stretch wider and further and farther ahead than you could ever imagine rather than being cooped up and into a box. And it's really important that you understand that if you're struggling with what passions to pick, or what your real passion is, go do the passion process. It's on unboxyourgift.com. I've said that for you know, for ages, it's free, it's available. It will teach you how to go inside of your own understanding, interpretation of life. You don't need someone else's help to take you through that. It's not going to be like a career test where you answer a bunch of multiple choice questions 
and it will spit back an answer saying you need to be an optometrist or you need to be a teacher or you need to be a dentist. No, it's not going to do that. It's simply going to tell you what you are going to incline towards, what you gravitate towards, what are your interests minus the overthinking, minus the noise, minus the I'm not sure, minus the doubt. Go take it on board. It's at unboxyourgift.com. And so I'm sharing all of this with you guys because I know that many people struggle with many passions. I know many people struggle picking which one. And I know many people don't want to struggle with wasting any more time and they want to make a difference in the world. That's a common trait, whether you're just finishing school or you're in your 70s and you're like, I still have more to give. It doesn't change. And I know that because I've worked with everyone from the ages of finishing high school up until the age of 60s, 70s. I've worked with people in all of that, all that spectrum. And the same questions are recurring and the same answers are wanting to be derived. What's, what do I want good at? What do I want to do? I want to waste time. I don't want to waste my intelligence. I'm confused. I don't want to, especially if you're leaving school, there's so much choice. So Danielle, my question to you is, will you do something about it? Like taking on board some work experience and that work experience will be in the process of elimination. It's the best education you can give to yourself because you can read 10 books on photography. You can read 10 blogs on how to do sign language, the interests that you have, but nothing will spell it out faster for you about what you should go ahead with and whether or not you should go ahead with them and study them is if you actually go and do it. Now, as a, in being the law firm, I didn't do any law. I didn't see, I didn't even see the lawyer, let alone practice any part of anyone explaining to me any kind of the law practices of the firm. But I saw enough to know that it's a very cold and dry environment. I just found it very dry. And I thought studying law is going to be pretty dry. And I didn't want to be a part of that. I just wanted excitement. I wanted movement. I wanted to be up and running. I wanted to be, you know, on the field. I wanted to, that's, I knew that. That confirmed to me. Being in that place confirmed it to me. Being in the dentist confirmed it to me. Had I not have had those two experiences, maybe I would have started, gone out and studied law and thought maybe this will be for me and gone into it and start, started studying it and feeling like this is hard, this is just boring, this is like I don't want to do it but I should do it because there is this prestige attached to it and I want to be seen as smart and I want to be seen as accomplished and law is going to give me that the title of a lawyer is going to solicit a barrister is going to give me that and I would have pushed it for the wrong reasons. And then come out on the other end going, oh, this is so hard. Is life hard for everyone like this? And it's just really, that's really, I honestly think that's what it would have been. And those who do study law tell me it's dry. <laughs> and that's how I know. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I anticipated it, that it would be dry. But law is for someone who is just loving law, is passionate about that. It may not be dry for someone else. It might just be exciting for someone else. But that's why our interpretations really make a big difference. And I would have fallen in love with the romanticism that law is part of this thing of prestige and excitement and I would be smart in front of people's eyes. And that would have been nice for the moment for six months and then reality would really dig in and I would just be unhappy and feeling like a failure because I probably would not do well in law, I'd probably fail a subject and go, I see, I'm not good at it. I don't know what I want to do now. I've just lost all this time. I've studied, spent a year doing something I don't want to do. Do I do something else? Do I let this year go to waste? You know, just more stuff comes on top and makes you feel even more crushed, you know, than in the beginning. And it's really important to isolate 
whether you're picking something for the sake of money, reputation, prestige, title, and none of those things are wrong. It just means, are they going to make you happy? Because you could be a lawyer, but are you going to be a happy lawyer for you? You know, you could be a dentist, but are you going to be one that's happy? Are you going to be the one that adds the most value to those people who need your work? And if the answer is no, because the interest, the passion, the love, the learning, the yearning isn't there, then it's not the one for you. Let that path be for someone who's really going to give that all. And you follow the path that is going to have you get, bring out the best of you so that you can give the best to others who are going to be the receiving end of what you do. And that's really the crux of it. That's really the crux of it. Uh, you know, I've, I used to dream of doing what I do right now, which is speaking, which is videos, which is podcasting, which is teaching, teaching what I want to do, not teaching as in classroom teaching. I never wanted to be a classroom teacher. But it was a dream for me and it was a so far out dream because I had to go and be sensible and I had to just go get a proper job. And there's ups and downs with that and there's ups and downs with starting your own gig and going your own way. But you have to accept those ups and downs when you work in a secure, so in brackets, secure, because what is really secure? A nine to five or, you know, socially acceptable or, yeah, socially acceptable way of finding a job versus doing your own thing. The risks are in both ends, but which risk is worth it? And what do you want to be remembered for before you die? What legacy do you want to leave the world before you die? And for me, it didn't include anything to do with dentistry. And for me, it didn't include anything to do with law. For me, it included adding an understanding of teaching people how to find that thing that lights them up. And I couldn't teach that if I wasn't doing what I was um, passionate about, which is why I left corporate. Because I wasn't passionate. I was teaching people how to find their passion. I'm like, well, that's pretty hypocritical. I'm teaching others, but I'm not doing it myself. So that's why I cold turkey, I left corporate because I felt like a hypocrite. And so I left corporate and start my own thing on demand, like just like that, without knowing anything of how to take it on board on by myself. And that's how I came up with the lessons of, oh my goodness, I need to create some discipline. I need to create a routine. I need to be able to be able to back myself or no one else's. Like those things you learn as you're going along the way. I didn't know them when I quit cold turkey. And I did it because my work my philosophy, what I was teaching required it of me to not be a hypocrite, to actually do um, what I enjoyed doing. And that's why I did it. And so for you, the same thing, for you who's listening right now, Danielle, you the listener, anyone else who's listening, whether you're changing careers, getting a new one, go and experience it for a week. What would that feel like? What would it honestly feel like? I know I had a, uh, someone that was working with me a couple of years ago who wanted to, who was a stay-at-home mum hadn't been in the workforce for 17 years and she wanted to study speech pathology. And uh, I said, why do you want to study speech pathology? Oh, because, you know, it would be great work, you know, reputation, prestige, all that stuff was the underlying thing. And that's nothing wrong with that as long as those things are going to make you happy long term. And I said to her, okay, let's plan this out. So I took her through the passion process, her personality traits. I took her through her values. I took her through what she did as a child. I took her through her, uh, what she aspires to have a contribution like the people. I took her through all of that and none of it pointed to being a speech pathologist. And I said, so can you tell me, is this the process that we've done, does that not, does, which resonates more with you now, now that we've done the passion process? Does being a speech pathologist resonate with you? Or you doing this other thing, and I, which I believe from memory was um, 
being a presenter, speaking. She wanted to be. So I said, is being a speech pathologist resonating with you more? Or through the passion process, she found being a presenter, speaker. She goes, oh, my God, being a presenter, speaker. I mean, I've always wanted to. And this is where the revelation comes. I've always wanted to do it, but I just didn't feel like I, I had what it takes. And I'm like, so that's the real answer. You're doing speech pathology as a mask to back up the feeling of well, what I really want to do. I don't think I can pull it off because I'm seeing people who are speakers and presenters and I don't think I can match up to their standards. So I just do something else that will give me the same fuzzy feeling, but not the same level of love and passion. And that's going to light me up. Can you see how it works? Can you see how that just completely dives deep into it? It's incredible guys. It's incredible. And so when she realized that about herself, she realized that she didn't pursue. And I said, by all means, if you want to do speech pathology, do speech pathology, but understand the underlying reasons why, because at the end of the day, when it comes exam time and you're a mum of three and you know how to juggle anyway, I mean, you know how to juggle. Anyone knows how to juggle? It's a mum. It's a parent. It's a dad who's a parent. You know, you guys know how to juggle. But when it comes to the crunch, when it's exam time, when it's assessment time, when you now have a deadline to meet and you're going to struggle, not struggle because it's hard, but struggle because oh, it's, this is like, I just don't want to do this anymore because it doesn't, it doesn't make me happy. Right. When it comes to that, that's when you're going to feel the pain and you're going to feel even worse because you put all this time in, you've made a commitment, your kids are looking at you, you're going to feel crap because you're like, I should just get this done for my kid's sake. And it's all going to be for the wrong reasons. So I saved her thousands of dollars going to university, back to university, years of now studying and then going back into the workforce as like a new recruit, doing something that she would not have enjoyed. Can you see the difference, guys? So it's really about either go get some work experience under your belt, go do the passion process or do that. One or the other, your opportunities are there, but don't sit there going, I don't know what to do because the more you, you recite I don't know what to do. The more ingrained that belief is going to be in your brain. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And then your brain just will just play it on autopilot. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. You do know what to do. You just have to change your habit and take the action, whether it's to get work experience or do the passion process or do both. Do both. Go out, go, go to town and do both. You know, you never know. But you are going to get more clearer. You are going to get more clearer. And it's going to take you away from this place of being stunted and stuck and stagnant, which is what you feel right now. But let me tell you, I've been there. Others have been there. And if me, others can come out of that, so can you. You just got to take the prescription. And the prescription is work experience or the passion process. Try that for you specifically for this question. So guys, I hope this has been of help to you. I hope this answer has been of help. And you can see that it's all in your control. The beauty about what I've discussed is that you don't need to go and do anything different. The, the, the answers, the results, the outcome is in your hands. You have ownership, you have control. And that's a gift. That's a gift that, that you're able to do that and not rely on someone else's permission, prescription, or anything else like that. You have prescribed it. I've given you the prescription of what I believe you need to do to get yourself out of there. Many have taken that prescription and cured themselves of being stuck, stagnant, you know, and stale where they are. So you do the same thing for yourself, but the prescription in terms of what you choose to do, how you'll choose it, how do you make that decision? How do you come to that decision is in your hands through those two methods.
I'd love to hear from you guys. Do you have any other methods that you would share? Is there anything else that you would prescribe to people? Is there anything else that you would say to add on to that? to that specific question. If you have found this podcast to be helpful, if you found it that it is worth giving it to someone else, if you have found benefit in it, then please, by all means, share it with someone else. Please go ahead and subscribe. Please like it. Because that tells me that these are the questions that are valuable to you. And as such, I can bring greater value to you by seeing your actions of what you do. And if this is making a difference for you, then it allows me to create more of this for you so that you too can upskill, up-level and get to that standard of where you want to be with looking at your passion, living your passion and doing whatever it takes to unbox it. So wherever you are in the world, whatever you're doing, I appreciate you for joining me once again. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your commitment to wanting to find your gift and unbox it. And my advice to myself and to you is that life is a gift. Unbox it. Have a beautiful day.